Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Craig Swanson. Craig is an entrepreneur, business coach, and co-founder of the online learning platform, Creative Live. Craig thrives being the secret weapon partnering with online businesses such as KaisaFit, Sue Bryce Education, and The Wedding School by helping them get to the multi-million dollar mark and even acquisition. Thanks so much for joining me today, Craig. Thank you for having me, Diane. This is going to be great. Absolutely. And we're going to be talking about, you know, like the vulnerabilities and insecurities that get in the way of business growth. And so um, I know that you say that um, acknowledging your insecurities can lead to growth in your business. I'm wondering if you can give us some background on that and, and a little bit of an explanation, please. Well, I guess I, you know, I could talk about my own, my own Great. journey. Um, Great. I started my I started my small business when I was 18. So I went straight from high school into I, I, I dropped out of my first quarter of college and started a small business in the IT space, helping design agencies with computers. And I spent 20 to 25 years in that business growing it at different phases. And um, I got it up above $250,000 at some point, probably around in the, in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And I just bumped up and around that, that size for a long time. Even while I was saying I wanted more and wanting to grow, I just kind of settled into this plateau um, and was stuck there for years. And it wasn't really until I started to make shifts in kind of my own mindset and my own awareness of what it is I really wanted and how I was standing my own way that the tactics that I had known about for a long time started to work. So there's a lot of tactics in terms of growing businesses and making a business work. But I found that 
what I said I wanted wasn't necessarily in alignment with what I was doing and even what I truly wanted if I was a little bit more honest with myself. Oh, that's interesting. So I, I think a lot of small business owners aren't necessarily honest with themselves about what they want, that they feel like they, that there's something they should be aspiring to that isn't necessarily what's going to make them happy. You know, and it's, and it's not just, I, uh, it's not just what also that makes them happy, but there is this, there's kind of this disconnect between what we say we want as small business owners when we are talking kind of goal setting. And then when we get down into the weeds, we're making choices on a day-to-day basis. We're often steering the business in exactly the opposite direction of what we just finished planning out on a sheet of paper that we say we want. Um, to just continue my kind of my own background a little bit, I bumped around in this like $250,000 range for a while. And then I started getting myself, I started hiring coaches and started working on myself and started working on different areas. I finally broke that million dollar mark in 2010. And since then, I have been basically building multiple businesses with the aspiration of helping those owners go above a million dollars, basically growing a different, a lot of different levels. And I'm realizing that there's just this different space that that we can get to when we are not necessarily trying to look like good business owners, but we are a little more honest with ourselves with what we need, what we like doing. And when we are able to separate our own personal needs from the business needs. Um, one of the things I often ask early on in a coaching session with an entrepreneur I'm helping grow is to help them separate out their business needs from their personal needs. Because a lot of times we assign the business with our personal needs without really being clear what we're doing. And we, we act as if our personal needs are what the business needs. And a lot of times they're opposite. And if we don't reconcile those two, we somehow think the business needs to be doing things that it really doesn't need to be doing. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. So circle us back to, well, that's not how I want to ask the question. Would you say that what was keeping you at at a certain place was that you had insecurities about growing the business? You know, I wouldn't say that my insecurities were about growing the business, about the business becoming bigger, because I always stated I wanted the business to be bigger. Um, But rather, my insecurities showed up when the when when there were things that started to happen within the business that needed to happen for the business to grow. Um, I started to push back because I started to find my own role and identity being challenged. So if I just think about like what I hear a lot of small business owners say they want, yeah. they want, they want a business that runs without them. They want their employees to care as much about the business as they do. Um, those of us that read the e-myth or, or other documents, you know, we want a fully documented way of doing things within our business. Um, you know, I've got this belief that my systems and my, and my business are really the secret sauce. It's what keeps us valuable. And we have this picture of having this larger team where it's all organized and it's orchestrated beautifully to grow. So that's this picture I have in my head. Yeah. And yet, inevitably, unless I 
start to separate myself a little bit from the business and to understand the business has different needs than I do personally. I tend towards creating a business in which I am the bottleneck for the most important elements. Um, I, I've heard entrepreneurs say um, in, one, in one conversation that they desperately want to have their employees to care as much as they do. And they're so, they are so upset that they can't get their employees to care. And then that same entrepreneur will later be complaining about an employee stepping out of line and acting as if they own this place. And I'm always amazed at like this. They don't hear that dichotomy. They don't hear that basically they want employees to care. And they also then kind of push back to the, if the employees act like they actually have some stake or ownership. Um, oh my gosh. That is so true. Mm-hmm. It's a vulnerability though, right? It's, it's, it, you know, it is, it, it's, it's because I, I have a story about myself that I am constantly like putting into action and you know, so so I, my 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 first company was was a consulting agency. So I'll just I'll deal with this from a sales standpoint. Okay. I I would be brought into companies that were having serious problems. They would tend to be serious problems around computers and technology, and I would believe that they were bringing me in because they saw serious problems and they wanted to fix those problems within the company. And what I started to realize in the sales process is it's very rare that someone brings me into a sales position with that. Usually people kind of instinctively want to bring the expert in to tell them that they're okay. Um, They may know that they have problems. They may know that they have these issues, but then as soon as the problems start becoming part of the conversation, they start backing away and trying to justify that everything's okay. Um, So there's this constant act of us saying we want something and then pushing back on it. I want my business to run without me. But as soon as my business starts to show some autonomy, I get scared because my identity is built around being the guy that does this stuff for the business, for being the expert, for being this person. And I start to get afraid of what happens for me if I'm not doing that in the business. If someone else is doing a better job than me in the business, what hap- What am I doing? Oh. The, um, yeah, right. The analogy that, that hit home, hits home for me in a lot of ways is there's this kind of this relationship between business owner and business. And we may say we want the business to work without us, but really what I, but a lot of us don't want to let go of being needed and being required. Um, And almost every business where I know that that has gone through the sale of a business or a major transformation, they have a little bit of a mourning that they have to go through where they lose some of their own identity when they're no longer needed for the doing and doing and doing inside of the business. And the analogy I use is it's a little bit like, like a marriage. You know, if, I may, if I came home and my wife said to me, you know, I think this marriage might work better if there was a little bit less of you in it. I think that's what it feels like for a lot of business owners when they're actually confronted with a business that might work better without them. Wow. I could see that being very scary. Yeah. Okay. So that feels like, as you did, um, they, they need to change their mindset and mm-hmm. understand their value mm-hmm. that is different from what their current belief is about their value. You know, it's, I'm not even sure if it's, it, so I absolutely think they have to change their mindset around this value, but I also think it is around their relationship with the business that, um, and, and, and this, 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 and the marriage is not a bad example. Um, 
when I only have this business and I'm getting so many of my personal needs met in this business, I, t I tend to believe that the place for me to go to meet my personal needs is inside this business. And the more I give into that instinct, the more and the more I shape my business around my personal needs. And a lot of times what a business needs is stability. A business needs a really clear focus and a business needs something that can be replicated by a team of people that are doing things that they all understand. And a lot of times those needs go against my needs. My needs might be for constant change, for variety, for drama, for different things in my life. And if I'm, if I'm getting all of those needs met within my business, I'm kind of making it impossible for my team to actually be able to create something that is stable, drama-free and profitable. Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. So is there a particular like stage of growth that you think um, it's most likely that, that these insecurities or vulnerabilities are going to rear their ugly heads? You know, I was thinking about that. Um, I think there are different stages we, that we go through as business owners. So I think that most of this really comes to the surface in probably when we're a little bit above $200,000 or in the $150,000 to $200,000 above that, and we're starting to get our first couple employees. So somewhere in the range of a business just starting to grow above and beyond what a solopreneur or, or an individual freelancer is doing. And this is almost like a rite of passage that business owners have to grow through in order to be able to learn how to create a business that can scale to the point where we now have employees managing employees and things can start to scale up and creating larger. So I really do think that this is like that, that cusp of transition between being a business in which I was the sole breadwinner and I'm doing most of the functions inside of the business to growing up to where... I need to hand off control and authority and management of the company to other people. And I need to do that even at a time when my skills at being able to hand off and manage other people is probably pretty terrible because I've not right. used those muscles yet. Right, right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and when you look at businesses that are larger, if you look at businesses that are, are, are you know, making several million dollars a year, usually those owners have been through that rite of passage and they have figured out their relationship to some degree with the business. They, they understand how to get work done through other people. They understand how, to, how the business functions as an entity separate from themselves. Um, and a lot of times in terms of like legal format, they are a little bit more aware of their separation. It is in these young businesses where the business is, is striving to become something bigger than the founder, the first person who started it, but yet doesn't have the skills, the experience, and the founder doesn't know how to do that yet. Or necessarily want to do that. Exactly. Exactly. Because boy, you're talking and I can think of all kinds of businesses that, that I have been, um, you know, aware of or engaged with over the years where it was the founder who just wouldn't let go of the reins. Mm -hmm. And it just really has a, a destructive impact on the business. And 
and I, I've, I've been that founder. I've, I, I have worked with that founder and I've, I see that repeatedly. And I know when I am in that position, when I've been in that position, it doesn't feel like that's what's happening to me. It feels yeah. to me like everything is going wrong when I hand it over to somebody else. I don't see how much I am creating the environment in which it's impossible to hand over. Wow. That, wow. Yeah, boy, that's got to make it tough to <laughs> get that point across and do it if they, they if you can't see it when you're so in it. Yeah. Wow. All right. Tell me more about this concept you have about um, that you think entrepreneurs should be more like Aladdin on the magic carpet than Atlas holding the weight of the world. Okay. So I think that it really comes down to who is putting the energy into the business and, and, and how, what does it take to drive a business? You know, is, is it, are we being lifted up by our business or are we carrying the business on our back, like using all of our energy? And I will say that like a lot of, a lot of early founders, a lot of, a lot of people who are used to doing all the work themselves as the business gets bigger, rather than scaling the business to where, this, where the business becomes more and more effective as it gets larger, they tend to swell the business, where the, where the weight on the shoulder of the, of the business owner becomes heavier and heavier as the business gets bigger. Um, and I really think that it's the difference between if I'm looking at my business and I think about what it takes to grow the business, am I thinking about what what I need to do in order to make that business bigger? Does everything that requires to get that business to become larger basically fall onto my plate? Or am I starting to see that there are ways to build the business so that the engines of the business drive growth and I get to then drive it or be carried by the growth as opposed to being the one that is just getting more and more weight on my shoulders? Okay. And, and I would argue that a business that's designed to scale effectively is a business that gets lighter and lighter on the shoulders of the owner as the business gets larger and more effective. Business owners that do not create a business to scale tend to create a business that swells. They add all these new features. They're, 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 they're always coming up with new ideas, but all yeah. these ideas are either more complex or involved in some way that they all tie back to the owner in a way that can't be handed off. And so as they are growing the business, more and more ties are holding them down to the point where they are seeing not increased freedom, but they are increasingly finding themselves tied to this, this business that they've created. And if I'm understanding this correctly, they're not seeing growth. They, they think they're creating growth, but they're not. I mean, they're, they're creating growth until they, they become exhausted, but the growth is all tied to their actions. Yeah, right, mm -hmm. right. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. Okay, so let's say someone's listening and they can see themselves in this. Um, let's, you know, talk about if if there's someone listening and they're saying this says, wow, you know, I've been Atlas and I really need to be Aladdin. What benefits could they possibly experience if they went ahead and adopted that philosophy? Well, I mean, the benefits are that they could start to see in their life some of the things that they may be saying that they want. They may be able to create a little more space between them and their business. They may be able to have some time off. They may be able to take a vacation and have and not have the business effectively come to a halt because they are the motive force for everything inside of the business. Um, but I think there's this gully that they need to go through, which is almost every self-made small business owner in the process of handing off to a team or starting to build a business that can work without them, it's going to feel like it is worse before it becomes something that's better. And it'll either feel like it's worse because it is, because they'll be handing the business into less experienced hands and relying on less experienced hands, or it'll feel like it's worse just because it's going to feel like it's worse. They're going to be so aware of the choices that that their people are making that are different from their own, that it's going to feel wrong, even if maybe to the outside world, it doesn't look wrong. Um, And so I think a lot of people have to want and need their business to become somewhat separate from them to the degree that they're willing to allow it to go through that process. And I will say a lot of times, if you you look at a lot of small business owners, a lot of times there is a personal trauma that occurs in their life that sometimes allows them the distance to, to, to separate from their business. Maybe trauma is not the right word, but, you know, a, a, you know, a, a death in the family, a major life change, um, um, the birth of a child where they need to focus on things. There'll be something that so drastically changes their own life that they are forced to create a little bit of separation between themselves and their business. And for business owners that make it through that, sometimes that was the act that was necessary to allow them to have the distance to let the business to start to grow and become something separate from them. Well, okay. But then, so for those people who there isn't that sort of impetus. Is there, so once again, I want to go back mm-hmm. to someone's yeah. listening and they're hearing all of this. Is there like first steps or, you know, some sort of self-talk or, you know, something that they can go through to start that shift? I think for me, the, the one conversation I have a lot is I try to encourage people to 
have something that, that I call like their emotional story around the business is basically to try to put into words their emotional feelings about the business separate from what they what they're putting down as their tactical goals um, because a lot of times what's keeping people back is the emotional relationship that they have with their business is actually at odds with whatever they say they want and I think the first thing the first step is is to become aware of that I'm not sure there's a really clean way to get past that without being aware of it and so um, and, and a lot of times if 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 they're in a service-based business it can be really putting into words what would happen if an employee really stepped up and started to be praised by their clients in a way that felt like it was taking something away from them. Or if, if, if they were able to, if the business was to grow without them being the person to grow it, do they feel, do they feel like they're not pulling their own weight? Do they feel like they are missing something like they failed somehow because they are not doing the work? whatever the emotional story that is keeping them tied into their business, a lot of times we need to surface the emotions and understand that's actually what's driving us. Even though we say we want this business to grow and we want to be able to rely on the employees and we want to be able to have this business as growing. If what I feel internally is this fear and the sense that I might be replaced or that I'm being pushed out for whatever reason, if that's the emotional story I have, then I am going to sabotage or undermine any of those tactical changes that might help that. And I, I think the first thing is just to become aware of that story enough so that at least when I start to respond and to start to sabotage, I can start to recognize a little bit where it's coming from. Yeah, right. Um, and it's one of the reasons I think that um, there's a, that's one of the reasons I think coaching and a lot of entrepreneurial um peer groups are really supportive is a lot of times it's impossible for us to see that in ourselves because we're too close. But if we're in a peer group with other entrepreneurs, seeing other people talk about their own experiences can sometimes help us see in ourselves things that we might be blind to otherwise. Um, so I'm a huge advocate for being in a group of other entrepreneurs that, um, where there's a lot of honesty, there's a lot of talk about what's happening in our businesses, both for the tactical information we get, but also just hearing other entrepreneurs talking about their own emotional challenges running their business. Because if we don't, uh, if we don't open our eyes to the emotional challenge, then an activist as if it's not there, then our tactics just are constantly undermined because we are emotionally steering the business in a different direction from what we say we want. Right. Do you think anyone can really truly remove their ego from their business? You know, I, so I've, I've I thought so. So we just had, I, I had a business, we just sold a business um, uh, in tooth in uh, about a year ago. Actually, I think we are passing the one year anniversary on the 1st of April. So one year ago, we sold a business. It was something we'd been running for six months. It was a photography online education platform. There were four of us in the business. Um, it was something we worked really long and hard on. And it was a huge milestone for us to be able to get that to a place where it was sold. Um, the employees were running the business. The employees went with the sale. They continued to execute. The business did great. And this was probably the fourth or fifth business that I had personally transitioned away from where I, where I was a leader and a founder in it and then stepped away after it was being sold. And I remember, um, 
I remember watching the, the marketing, the, the head of marketing that we had hired and trained to replace one of my roles within the business. And that was one of the key steps we had taken. And she was absolutely killing it. Um, and the business was doing great. And some of their marketing was better in that transition year than it had been in the seven years prior. So the business was doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And I found myself with an emotional response of, of kind of resentment that they were doing so well without me. Um, and I was really shocked to like to, to feel that because I thought mm -hmm. I was past this. I thought I had had separated from business so many times that I had separated my ego and I was, you know, aspiring to create these businesses that could work without me. And yet there it was like I I kind of on some emotional level wanted the business to demonstrate that it still needed me and was a little resentful that it didn't. So I don't know. Um, I think we can I, I think we can become aware, more aware of what's happening. Um, and maybe, maybe being aware of our emotional response and that our ego connection is maybe a little bit less of a driver, but I don't know if it's ever been completely gone for me. Yeah. Maybe we just need to, um, shift our understanding of our contribution so yeah. that our ego can still be involved. Yeah. And, and that's not to say like my ego, I mean, was hugely happy about the sale. Like, like sure. I, I, there's a lot of ego. I, 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 I've, I've built a lot of my ego identity around being able to step away from a fully completed business and being able to see it function without me. There's a huge ego boost for that. And yeah. yet I am absolutely aware that me as a craftsman hmm. within a business, certain roles within the business, um, I want to be needed. And when I see myself no longer needed, there is this kind of like childlike response of, of, being kind of abandoned because I'm no longer needed for this role. And, um, and it's still there. It's still part of me. I mean, I, I, um, but it's also my, it's my response. It's not the business's response. Right. And it's, and it's for me to separate and understand where that's coming from, as opposed to assuming that there's something wrong with the business because of it. Yeah, boy, that that's a big, cause that's what we do, right? Mm -hmm. We instantly think something's not going right with the business. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> which is also really hard because you know it's really hard to then follow your instincts when sometimes your instincts are really really off yeah mm -hmm. right right it's true um, which which is also one of the reasons why it's really good to have a peer group or other people in our life to to help us i think i think it really says a lot to building a a a, a support structure around ourselves to help us be aware when our own instincts are working against our interests yeah, I was just thinking that when you were talking about that, I was thinking that's why you need other people who are, are you know, a couple steps outside who can see it clearly. Yeah, especially if we can trust them and they, and they know us well enough to, for us to trust that they actually know us and they're not just responding from, from some vague sense of what they think is right. Right, right, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, and, and they're not telling us what we want to hear, they're telling us what we need to hear. Exactly. Yeah, fascinating. I think this is such an interesting a valuable concept. I hadn't thought about it, you know, before I knew we were going to be talking about it. And it's an interesting way for owners to really, for me, take a step back and look at what do they really want for their business and what do they really want for themselves. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing you say is those are different things. I think they can be. I mean, I don't think, let me put it this way. 
I think that we have to be really clear what we want for ourselves versus our business. If we are saying we want a business that can run without us. And if ah. we are saying we want the business to scale. Um, and if we say these things, then we are basically saying that the business, we want the business to have a life and a breath and an ability that is beyond us. Then I had better get clear on what I want in my life. And if the business is going to go grow somewhere else, I need something for me to go into to do. That is for me. Um, if I want to have a business that is just there to serve my needs, where its primary purpose is to be a lifestyle business around what I want to do with my day, I think that is totally legitimate for, for a business owner to make a choice on. But a lot of business owners make that choice emotionally that they want something to serve their needs, but then intellectually they're telling everyone they want something else. And so I think, I think either choice is absolutely fine. It's just a matter of being clear on what type of business we're trying to grow. Because if I'm going to grow a business that can work without me, I better go figure out what I want to do with my life once the business doesn't need me anymore. Do I, and do you need to know that before you're able to really put the wheels in motion to remove yourself? I mean, actually, I think they can kind of come together. I think they can yeah. kind of come together. Um, but I do think, I do think that if I have a, if, if I have an empty life elsewhere, um, I'm not going to be able to create a business that grows without me. And in fact, one of the, one of the best strategies early on that, that I think that I used, and I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs use is to use short vacations from their business as a forcing function for them to educate their people and the business that the business can work without them. So yeah. what, one of the things that I started to do in my business, when I started to become really, when I became aware that I wanted something uh, that had more freedom where the business could work without me, where I was reading enough of these business books that that's something I wanted. And I started to realize I was taking no actions towards that is I started to schedule vacations away from the business couple days, a week. Aspirationally, I was trying to get to be a longer period of time. How long can I be away from the business and have the business continue to function? And each time I did that, I was teaching the employees and I was teaching myself that the business can continue to function without me. Um, I think that is such a great exercise. I yeah. love that. So effectively use you and a lot of, a lot of owners have used this story. Basically they use their own personal vacation time as a forcing function to educate themselves and the business that the business can function without them. And then the areas that they realize that the business can't function without them, that's when they get to have their list of things they, they can solve. You know, uh, no one can deposit money without me. Well, is that something I'm going to solve? If I'm the only person that can send certain sales letters, well, does that mean do I have to figure out a way of solving that? Or do I just basically, am I, am I now in that function for the rest of our business? One at a time, there'll be all these functions within the business that when I go on vacation, I have to figure out, is this something that can exist without me? Should it exist without me? And if it does, how do I make that work? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. That, and, the, and, and the reason I talk about the emotional side is yeah. really, I, I know there's a lot of business training that just focuses on the tactical. And I just watch, I watch in these business courses and I watch in these, 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 these education courses where, where especially creative business owners, but business owners will sit in and they'll be writing down and making these lists of things that they're going to do. And they, they have all the knowledge to be able to do it. And then they, they act against it as soon as it starts to come in their life from a, from just an emotional response. They don't realize they're doing that. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And very interesting. I think it's critically important that the emotional side of things is discussed. And, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for this conversation, because I, I think this is the part that has been um, ignored for an awfully long time because it didn't necessarily jive with this idea of being a business owner, being unemotional about things, being able to make decisions from an, an unemotional standpoint, but not even realizing that there's a great deal of emotion involved in being an owner. Oh yeah. Wow. I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the, here, here's a small one that every, you know, every business consultant or, you know, part-time CFO will look at a business's profitability and inevitable at some point, someone will have the conversation about raising prices and a small business owner whose identity is deeply, deeply tied to their business can the conversation about raising prices will raise all of these flags that are probably emotional flags far before they are logistical or tactical conversations. Yeah, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. So true. That's right. That's a, yeah, well, that's a great example and a real indicator of how yeah. emotion plays a role. And, and for someone un, unattached to that emotion, it may just be a matter of spreadsheet and maybe just a completely obvious conversation for, for a CPA that is just coming in outside, just looking at the numbers, but internally, um, an owner that is pretending that they're having an entirely logical conversation and yet having a very emotional reaction and not, not admitting it is going to have a really hard time navigating that choice for themselves because it's almost like they're in denial of a part of something that's happening while they're trying to make a logical decision. Yeah. Right. Boy, it's tricky. It's mm -hmm. not so easy to be a business yeah. owner. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for the meek. No. What we always say, right? So I, I got to tell you, Craig, I love this concept and the and this conversation, and I'm so glad that you're out there talking about it and teaching it and coaching and you know guiding people. I, it's really so valuable. So thank you so much for spending this time with me. Absolutely, thank you. Absolutely. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best location for me, and you can find everything about me at craigswanson.org. That's my name with a .org, not a .com. And I am the, uh, the Seattle chairman for the EO Accelerator this coming year, which is a small business um, education program for business owners that are above $250,000, but have not yet broken a million. And they are aspiring to break a million so that they can join EO, which is a, a larger worldwide entrepreneurs organization. Great. Good for you. I, I, that'll be great for people to take yeah. with you at the helm. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you. You're who we're doing this for. This is the kind of topic that um, I think we need to listen to a couple of times and, and really sit with and then take action. So go find Craig on LinkedIn or, you know, go to his website. It'll be in the show notes as well. And um, do great things for yourself and for your business. And they might not necessarily be the same thing. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.